A stu stu Studio D production. Everything's fine. Oh, God. No, Hannah. You guys are not allowed to do this shit. <laughs> Belle also uh, was like, you do remember how you gave yourself a hernia because your little sister had to have hernia <laughs> surgery. And like four months later, all of a sudden you have a hernia. I am not, not. She was outside. I mentioned that to dad again yesterday, but then dad made the uh, like remark about how when I came out of surgery, I did the ET phone home thing. And I told dad that okay. I've always been this way. And it's because... When you were coming out of surgery, everybody wanted you to do it. Everybody yeah. wanted you to do it. And you were so out of it. And it, like, it was hilarious. It was like not happening. But I remembered the amount of attention that you got. So even even as a little eight-year-old, I coming out immediately coming out of surgery was like, E.T. Oh, oh, my God. That's so, so good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's everyone welcome to effed up family story time i'm salem and i'm hannah and here today we have bell and jess yo yeah all right how is everyone doing i made it here. you made it i mean we're alive yeah, right i'm alive yeah. that's, you know <laughs> i woke up this morning i'm not gonna say whether that's good or bad but I woke up this morning. Yeah, it's so. good. It's good for us. Welcome anyway. to our nihilistic podcast. <laughs> yeah. It's been a rough week for all of us yeah. on the show today. So it has been kind of a crazy week. So um, I don't know how much we want to get into it. Did you want to talk about it, Belle? Yeah, we could talk about it. Uh, last Friday, I had a seizure at home and Kyle was there. He found me. So he was there to be with me. And I went to the emergency room. He was there when you had your yeah, seizure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they did a CAT scan and I don't have any tumors or lesions or brain bleeds or anything. So, um, I have appointments next week and trying to get all of that figured out and I've been feeling okay this week. Um, but I don't know if people can tell us apart well enough to know that that was Belle. Yeah. That that's was me. That's Belle. <laughs> story. Guess so. which one of us had a seizure. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Should be like a trivia question on our website. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty traumatizing for all of us. And as you can imagine, it set our week back. So this is going to air a few weeks after the fact. But you'll notice that we missed a week releasing um, an episode. And this was part of the reason why there were other factors involved. But but we're doing okay. And Belle started her new job, even yeah. with all of the, the other bullshit <laughs> that happened over the weekend you started your new job on monday which is very impressive i have to say oh, thanks i'm I really proud of you just for that. wanted a distraction because every moment that i haven't had something to distract myself from my health i've been anxiety brain spinning what's wrong with me mm-hmm. <laughs> what could be wrong with me we should get started. Yeah. We have 13 minutes left. I feel oh, like it was going to be... It's a short story. <laughs> I feel like it was going to be really... Even, nobody can make fun of me about poignant. the squawk anymore. Oh, we can No, still. my daughter had a seizure, and I got a phone call from... She had a, a crazy... Her, his, her, at the time, crazy husband who thought she was, thought I was dead. dead. And I thought my daughter might be dead, and then I had to track down the hospital that she was at, and then... We found her, and she's good. She's healthy-ish. And, I mean, she's awake. She's alert. No brain damage that we know of. But None that wasn't already there. Then I have to fucking spin from waking to sleeping (laughs) with her for the following week. Which I love, but also through my entire... You know me. I'm a creature of routine and stuff. Yes, and I've been messing up the routine. And so in the future, you I need a babysitter. She's been... Yeah, she needs a babysitter. She can't be alone. I'm not doing it again. I saved your life once. And then on top of that, Wednesday, when my back started really killing me, and like, it's like I said in the message... Like, I quit my job partly because I was tired of the taxing Mm -hmm. toll that it took on my body. And I was tired of hurting all the time. So now I sit in front of a computer all the time. And I hurt my back. And the thing that hurts it the most is sitting at a computer. So that makes editing very difficult. My job very difficult. 
And um, so that's why my story is a piece of shit. I'm sorry, guys. It's not a piece of shit. It's short. That's why my story is short. I'm sorry. My story is short. I've been trying to say this forever, Bella. You're very interrupting <laughs> today. <laughs> I can't epilepsy. take my Adderall. I'm not I know, taking my I Adderall. Know that's true. She is off. I know Adderall. you can't take it, and that's why I've tried to be patient. <laughs> But I was going to say, I think you, of all people, have the best excuse for having a story light today. <laughs> yeah. So this is Effed Up Family Story Time light. Light. Me having hallucinated on and off for the last six I months mean, isn't enough to have story light I mean, one no. time. No. <laughs> no, because we didn't know. <laughs> I gotta say, the sub- I gotta say, the subject is heavy. It makes me think of the podcast that we have, where the title is short, but what is it? Short but gruesome as fuck, oh. or whatever. Because that's what this is gonna be. Oh, I just looked through them all to make sure my story wasn't something somebody already told. Because I don't know if I told you guys a couple of ep- uh, not a couple, I guess a couple episodes for me that I've told the story on back I almost did the dancing plague and I was like oh, that's because I wasn't on that one and I was like oh but that sounds kind of familiar like it was when I'd listened to or something and then I so I scrolled through all of them I was like Belle did it I'm glad I looked yeah, yeah. So I'm constantly <laughs> worried I'm gonna do that I know because I never pay I attention checked, I yeah never pay attention. No, I know for a fact though we have not done this one yeah. so mine either because I checked <laughs> so we're gonna dive into it um uh, my story And that's funny. We're going to dive into it because my story involves diving. (gasps) And I don't know how familiar. Like scuba diving? (laughs) Scuba diving. Deep sea? Deep sea diving. So I don't know how familiar people are with that. So we're going to go over some basics first about like deep sea diving and like the decompression process and how you have to be concerned when you go deep. So when you dive, if you get the lower you go, the deeper you go into the ocean the stronger the pressure of the ocean and the water around you. So as you're diving, your body will acclimate to the deeper levels. You don't want to be shot like a rocket. Yeah, um, because your body can't acclimate. But if you go down at a steady pace, you're okay and your body acclimates. And there's ways that they actually help your body to pressurize to these deeper levels, right? And they use um, gases like nitrogen and helium And when they're breathed into, like when they're breathed, they get into the diver's tissues and the tissues are saturated. And so, um, and then they're dissolved within the tissue to the point that they're at the same concentration as the breathing mixture. And it takes time for the body to acclimate. But because of these changes, that means that they must adjust as they go down and as they go up. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think that fly was buzzing around a microphone because I heard it in my my headphones. (laughs) I did too. (laughs) Sorry, guys. There's a fly in here. If you hear any buzzing, it's just the dead body in the wall. If any of you speak fly and can translate what he just said, let us know. Let's all stare at it and see if If we can kill it. Like the last one. So we talked about the whole issue with going down. Like, So that is a concern as a deep sea diver. You have to be concerned about the pressure and you don't want to get what they call decompression sickness, which we will go into a little bit later. But it's it can be very, very bad. It can be lethal. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of a diving bell. Mm-hmm. So there's two different kinds of diving bells. There's one that's called a wet bell and it's open at the bottom And I looked up multiple different resources on like what it is, how it works, watched a video. I still don't quite understand how they keep the air in it. But so like it's open at the bottom. So water and there's usually a grate for them to stand on because the process of going up and down in the ocean can take a very long time. So they have seats for them to sit in so they can be comfortable. And so water fills part of it sometimes up to like maybe mid thigh, I think, is what I got from what I saw, but then the rest of it is filled with air. Wait, is this an actual bell? It's shaped like a bell. I was thinking like a bell you could ring, and then I got confused I so trying. To, so no, but so it's, it's shaped like, like a bell, but it's like it's, it's like a, a huge, church bell, and it's pressurized to the and, point that okay. it can handle the pressure of like the outside atmosphere. It's a temporary submarine, but the bottom 
is open still so to the water, so it's it. not actually pressurized. Okay. A wet bell is not actually pressurized. So going back up in a wet bell takes a very long time because you have to stop. You can only go up so far and you have to stop okay. and let the body acclimate and then go up so far and stop. Oh, it moves? Yes, it's usually oh, um, held okay. by a cable or a chain from like uh, some sort of... Uh, ship or like water like like oil rigs have dive bells like some sort of water structure and that way they can control where it goes and so that it takes the divers down and then it brings the divers up and it allows them a comfortable place where they can set while the process can take a long time now there's also something that's called a coal uh Thank you. I don't know if I'm just slow today or not. But no, it was helps. kind of confusing to me. Like I said, I still don't quite understand how it's open at the bottom. Like I get the whole like pocket of air thing. It's open at the bottom. Some of the bell can be filled up with water, but then there's an air pocket so they can actually like take their gear right. off and breathe. And then they pump in air also. So they have a mixture of oxygen and the nitrogen or helium or whatever they're using so that they can dive deeper and their bodies, and then they depressurize as they decompress as they come up. So, um, but then there's also something that's called a closed bell. And this one actually is completely sealed off from the outside, and it is pressurized. So they don't have to necessarily be concerned about the amount of time it takes to take divers down and to bring them up because the inside of it is pressurized and it can work as a hyperbaric chamber where it can decompress, which takes time. So they could like have pick, pick divers up from the bottom of the ocean in a closed bell and bring them to the surface quickly. But then those divers have to stay in that closed bell as it works as a hyperbaric chamber and slowly decompresses them, which can take a significant okay. amount of time. So not dissimilar to like being in space. You have yeah. your pressurized space capsules and you have the the whole thing where you have the hold and then you go out. The difference it's, is... It doesn't affect your body like diving does, but the pressurized thing yes. is like a closed bell. Then. Yes, exactly. Okay. The difference is, is that the divers are actually on in the ocean, so their bodies have to acclimate, acclimate to the pressure of the ocean, so they always have to decompress when they come to the right. surface, right? When they decide to come up come up top. So, um, one thing that was developed back like in the, God, I want to say it was like 1950s. I could look at my notes, but it's not important was, um, that they would have hyperbaric chambers essentially, or living chambers, pressurized underwater habitats where they could bring a closed bell up full of divers, connect that closed bell through a tunnel into these living chambers that are also pressurized to the same level as under the sea, which is like one ATM. I can't remember what that means, right? Or somewhere, what? ATM means money. (laughs) (laughs) Means money. So, um... (laughs) I like how nobody responded to her. You just mocked her and then started her story again. That was great. So you would hook the bell up to these chambers and through a tunnel that's also pressurized and there's safety measures, you know, kind of like the space locks and stuff if you were out in space. But you would hook it up and then the divers could go into the chambers and they would essentially live in the chambers so they never had to decompress. And it saved a significant amount of time for people that were working, like for oil rigs and stuff, at this deep sea level. They could work for... And they would have like a certain amount of time that they could work before they would have to come up to the surface because being under that amount of pressure and the gases and stuff did have an effect on the body, but they would save time for like a month being at this compressed level and living in these chambers. So, and that's called like saturation diving because they get the divers to the point where they're saturated is what they call it, with the gases that kind of equalize their pressure with their surroundings or whatever. I don't quite understand it. So I just want to talk about some of the things that saturation diving can do to a body. So saturation diving involves staying under pressure for so long that all your bodily tissues become in equilibrium with the inert gases in the breathing mixture, which is helium or nitrogen. 
and then you stay under that pressure for a long period of time. So the life can be exhausting. It's claustrophobic. It's very, very dangerous. At any point in time, anything could go wrong, right? Breathing these special mixture of gases can cause chills throughout the body due to the helium. And there's a whole array of medical complications that can arise, like from long-term exposure to harsh depths. There's a lot of strict regulations that minimize the risks of these issues, including like mandatory diving time off. And because of this, because of all the risks, it's one of the most specialized jobs in the world. There's only like 336 people in the U.S. that do this. There's also the issue of um, if they're at great depths, they have failed, like they don't have great communication with people. Um, so it, they have to use electronic descramblers in order to be understood. Breathing helium below 300 meters can also produce severe no- neurological effects known as high pressure nervous system. So it is a, like there's a lot of risks to it. And it seems like there's a lot of things that can cause like a neurological issue, whether it's fatigue, whether it's like the helium, the claustrophobia, just the whole psychological aspect of being under the ocean for a significant amount of time. All of these things might have led up to what we're going to talk about. It's good information for us to, to know when we talk about what happens next. So, was it? Didn't dad have to be in hyperbaric chamber when he was doing Yeah, I, I wanted to do research into that and include that in this, but I didn't have time. Yeah. But yes, your dad used a hyperbaric chamber for part of his healing when he had a surgery on his tongue uh-huh. and all of those lymph nodes removed uh-huh. and yeah. stuff. And I think it was supposed to just help with the healing, but they would take him into a hyperbaric chamber. They would change the pressure in the room for a certain amount of time and then slowly take the pressure back to where he, he was at. So it's actually, as we're going to find out, can be a very dangerous situation if not handled properly. So, God, thank God that hasn't happened yet because you know that would have been in the news. Like, <laughs> oh, God, a medical yeah. hyperbaric chamber? Yeah. I don't know if they take him to quite... The same Such extreme. extreme as like going yeah. from the bottom of the ocean. Because to... that's insane. Like the amount of yeah. pressure that changes yeah. from here to the very bottom of the ocean. It's wild. Yeah, it is. It's But I think it's still like your eardrums can burst and shit, even not even going well, that it's far what, down, what happens, that pressurized. I didn't get into this, but what happens with decompression um, syndrome or whatever they call it is that it causes the nitrogen. So you saturated your body, your blood system and your tissues with nitrogen, right? And if you don't give yourself time for that nitrogen to gradually leave your body as you're leaving the bottom of the ocean, it will form air bubbles in your blood system and in your tissues. And then those air bubbles like will burst and shit. Mm. So you yeah. did. And you did. Yep. Um, but yeah, like to your, to your mom's point, it's not even just like the deep sea trenches, like amateur recreational divers yeah. who swim through sea caves and things like that have to still be careful when they come up. It's not quite as urgent necessarily as these deep sea divers, yeah, if you're but not- they have, but they usually do like a swim and stop. Swim and stop until they get to the top. And Kyle then, and I want to get diving certified. Then if, but if they don't do that, then it's what's it, what do they commonly call it? The bends. The yeah, bends. that's yep. what it's called. Because the you'll bends. get, because you won't necessarily die, but you aren't going to feel good either. Yeah. So yeah, decompression sickness occurs when a change of pressure happens too fast. So depending on how quickly and how dramatic that change of pressure is, people don't always die immediately from it. They don't always die at all from it. Um, if it's treated, even if it's very severe, it usually can be treated, but it just depends on how quickly it happens. But so it can cause excruciating pain, confusion, paralysis, and death. And if it is caught early enough to be treated, it involves very long periods of time in hyperbaric chamber, readjusting the pressure in the body. So... Doesn't always kill, but it's fucking horrible whenever it happens. And it, I think, mo- almost always will kill if not treated. 
Yeah. I mean, think how bad it feels when you swallow wrong and you get that air bubble yeah. in your chest. Now imagine, imagine that, that in your blood. All these little <laughs> bubbles in your veins. And including your organs. I mean, it's uh, in all of your vessels, including your liver, your spleen, your stomach, yeah. your everything. That's pretty horrifying. I think I'd want to die instead. Yeah. <laughs> and quickly. Right. Send a bubble like, straight to my heart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, just inject it right there. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break now. And I guess we'll come back and talk about something horrible. <laughs> oh. Dun, dun, dun. Hannah's ready to go. She's just, like, taking her headphones off. She's I have like, to pee. Yeah. <laughs> Poor guy, because of his genetics, can't grow, like, a beard that's not splotchy. Oh. <laughs> so he's that's why he's always just had the like mustache and mm-hmm. weird chin thing. It's not really a goatee because it doesn't connect. I forget what it's called. Something like a Van Dyke or whatever. I don't know. One of them connects and one of them doesn't. And Salem, we're done with my mustaches. Okay. All right then. We're back. We're back from break. Yay. 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 We're gonna get into something a little gruesome. Sweet. Slightly effed up. So um, earlier we were talking about diving. So as you might have guessed, our story is about a diving accident. A very famous diving accident. I never could have guessed. (laughs) A famous diving accident that I guarantee three of us in here have never heard of. The (laughs) Biford Diving Accident. Bum, bum, bum. So Ah! The Biford Dolphin was a semi-submersible, column-stabilized drilling rig that was operated by Dolphin Drilling. It drilled seasonally for various companies in the United Kingdom, Danish, Norwegian sectors of the North Sea, and it was registered in Hamilton, Bermuda. I don't know how much all of that is important, but that is... So is Hamilton, Bermuda in the Bermuda Triangle? I have no idea. And it was only registered there, which is interesting. But the rig was, or the company, Dolphin, whatever company. Was registered there, yeah. yeah. So the Biford Dolphin was an oil rig, and it used what? Just the way you said that You said that so fast. It just <laughs> sounded funny to me. The Biford Dolphin. The Biford Dolphin. I wasn't <laughs> trying to like make fun of you. It just tickled me. <laughs> so the Biford Dolphin... Um, was an oil rig, and it used for its workers a diving bell. It used a closed bell that would take the divers down, and they had an underwater habitat that they would stay in. So on November 5th, 1983, the rig was drilling in the Frigg gas field in the Norwegian sector of the North Sea. At 4 a.m., British divers Edwin Coward and Roy Lucas were resting in the dive chamber. So like we had talked about, you have your chamber where people, it's like living quarters. And so I'm going to immediately sidetrack here and I'm going to show you a picture of what (laughs) this chamber looked like as I describe it to our listeners. So there were three chambers. I'll pass it around. There are three chambers. And chamber one is to the left. To the right of that is chamber two. Is that how I said it right? No, or am I doing it back? No, wait. Chamber two is to the left. To the right of that is chamber one. And then to the right of that is chamber three. And on the side of chamber one is a trunk that the diving bell connects to to either collect the divers or to allow them back into their living quarters. All right. So chamber two, which is all the way to the left, there were two divers that were resting in the chamber, and this was um, Edwin Coward and Roy Lucas. So the diving bell comes and connects to the uh, trunk that is then connected to chamber one. So in the bell being transported were divers Bjorn Bergeson and Trolls Helovic. And uh, they were returning from their shift in the transfer capsule in the closed bell. The capsule was hoisted from the water and was docked to the dive chamber by the diving tenders William Crammond and Martin Saunders. So they're outside of the diving bell. The divers are inside, and they're connecting it to the chambers. So 
they connect it, which would allow the, the divers to climb through a short trunk, and then they would join um, Coward and Lucas. That's an unfortunate last name because coward. he was not a coward. If he had this job, there's no way he was a damn <laughs> coward, right? So anyway, would join them in the chambers, right? Whatever. Uh, there was nobody in chamber three. So the normal procedure for the divers is to first seal off the trunk and isolate the chamber so that the tenders, the guys on the outside, could depressurize the capsule and then detach it from the airlock. All right. So, and I have a, a step-by-step of what you should do. The step should be number one, the diving bell door is closed. The press number two, pressure is increased in the diving bell to seal the door shut. Number three, chamber one is closed off from the trunk. So then the only thing that would be open if they open the diving bell is just the trunk, right? And then number four, the trunk is depressurized to a standard one atmosphere, ATM. And the clamp then is released, freeing the diving bell. That's step five. So if you follow all of those procedures, there should be no issues, right? Everything should go smoothly. The divers are, are pressurized or whatever to the bottom of the sea, right? Mm-hmm. But the fucking living quarters are up at the top of the sea. So even though that is pressurized to be at the same pressure as the divers, the outside pressure there is different. Okay. Does so, that make sense? So the living quarters. So they can so make if a they they transfer. They can make from, a clean transfer without having to decompress. They're still at the bottom of the sea levels, even though they're physically their at the top of the sea. So if they don't, if they are exposed to the outside waters, they will decompress. Then it's like an immediate decompression. Okay. Oh! <laughs> In my brain? I was like, why is there a living quarters at the bottom of the sea? No, well, see, in my brain, yes, it was like, maybe not right at the bottom, because Salem said you had to lift the bell up. Yeah, but because, because the chamber maybe? is connected to, like, the rig that right. they're on. It's just submerged. Okay. I don't know if you, even if it's submerged. I believe it's submerged because they have to attach the but bell the to it But the inside is surface. still to- compressed. It's still pressurized to what it is at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. Okay. okay. Oh, I my God. Knew. That makes so much more I, sense. I should have known this would be a longer story just for us to work out. <laughs> Just because we're all fucking dumb. (laughs) And we had those fucking (laughs) 9.9% seltzers. I'm blaming it on that. (laughs) Anyway, okay. We've discussed now the proper procedure for docking and disembarking um, passengers, right? Okay, Okay. So (laughs) what happened, though, on this one occasion was that before Helovic, Trolls Helovic, also referred to as Diver 4, could close the chamber hatch. William Crammond, one of the guys on the outside, the tenders, released the clamp securing the capsule to the trunk. Released the clamp that secured the bell to the trunk of the chamber. The results were immediate and horrific. The cap. So, so he. I'm sorry. So he. He let go of the thing connecting the bell to the trunk too. So early. the tender on the outside. They're the ones that like guide the bell up to the trunk because it doesn't yeah. the 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 diving bell doesn't move on its own. It doesn't have its own propulsion. It so just like goes up. It's and just down. on a chain. So people have to be there to like help position it, connect it, clamp it down so that they can open the hatch. Uh-huh. People can get off, and then the, then the person that gets off, I think, closes the chamber hatch. So the people, I'm sorry. <laughs> so the people were already off of the diving bell and in the trunk waiting for the chamber to be closed. Yes. The capsule violently decompressed and blasted away from the drunk trunk, killing Crammond and severely injuring Saunders. So those were the two tenders. While inside the chamber, the pressure dropped instantaneously from nine atmospheres to one in an instant. So Helovic, who was crouching in the trunk, he was essentially blown apart. Ugh. So I've heard two different things. So he was blown apart. I think he was blown apart from the nitrogen expanding the air bubbles in his body. Mm-hmm. But also he was sucked 
through. So there was an opening where when they released it, it created like an opening that was like the size of like, say, a manhole that was slightly askew, you know, a little crescent. Mm -hmm. And he was sucked through that. So like when an airplane busts open high in the sky. And he was shot into the sea. His body parts were blown everywhere. They found him um, on the deck of the derrick and which was like like, so that's like out of the water 10 meters above (gasps) where the chamber was that was how forceful that explosion was because he was right there in the yeah so the other divers were also killed they their death was believed to be immediate um, but their bodies were left intact. They weren't blown apart like, because they were in the chambers. But they it, it, directly, so it was more of an internal. It was the blast of air. So the blast the of air of like air. blew open the ceiling off of chamber one and went into all the chambers. Well, because he didn't get the door chamber shut. one wasn't closed all oh, the way. Oh, they closed that after. They, well, he hadn't gotten chamber one sealed off yet before they disembarked with the bell. Oh. You're supposed to do chamber one. And trunk, then, then Okay, disembark. I thought you were so, saying he just didn't get the trunk down, but he didn't get chamber so one yeah. down. My thought is he was in chamber one already, and he was sealing the door for chamber but one. But it wasn't fully sealed but yet. But he hadn't gotcha. sealed it all the way before they released the diving bell, which left the trunk open to the ocean. I think okay. the trunk is always open to the ocean. That's why they have to decompress right. it before they can get off of the diving bell. Right. So he was sucked through the door between chamber one and the trunk and blown out into the ocean. And because the other divers were not immediately at the door, they died instantaneously, but they weren't blown apart like he was. So their bodies were intact. So, yeah, it says here that one observer described finding his liver, quote, complete as if dissected out of the body, end quote. While part of his spine was found 10 meters above the chamber on the rig, Derek. The merciful thing was that they were all believed to have died instantaneously, so they didn't suffer. But everybody else did. What a dick. So the investigation concluded that the accident was caused by human error. As William Crammon was killed in the incident, it is not known why he released the clamp when he did. So investigators, they there's a combination of things. Fatigue, they the divers would often work like 16-hour shifts, and then the isolation and stuff down there too. Um, deck noise may have led to the uh, like a miscommunication. There's also just general miscommunication. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, another key factor was the saturation diving system itself. Which, despite recommendations from Norwegian Oil and Gas Regulator, DNV, which I don't know what that is. It's a gas regulator. And an oil regulator. (laughs) It's like our EPA, I would guess. I would guess. guess. I just want to make sure I'm reading this right. The rig or the chamber had not been fitted with any interlocks, pressure gauges, or other safety features to prevent the diving chamber from being disconnected while pressurized. How? This fault, How? yeah. This fault in the equipment. This was in 1983, so it was a while okay. ago. That's how. But, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, we had nuclear weapons that we could yeah. safeguard against accidental. Yeah, no like... shit. Well, I mean, airplanes. <laughs> how long have fucking airplanes had shit like that to prevent from a depressur like a well, depressurization of the cabin and shit? From what I gathered in my reading was that it was common, like most of them did have those kinds of safety features, oh. but it wasn't required to be mm. certified. Gross. And because they're working through multiple countries and stuff too, I don't know if there's like an international, like if, oh, I don't yeah. know. They kind of skirted the requirements there, I think. Not but, surprising. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, not Those surprising. British As always corporations cutting corners. Are off oh, capitalism. The Norwegian. No, you said the UK divers and were you, down there. Oh, what, well, the divers the might divers have been UK, but the company British. was a Norwegian oh, well, company, I believe. I always thought but they were more... But it was based more... out of Bermuda, so I don't know. Oh, those those <laughs> Bermudans, <laughs> they just like the laid-back lifestyle. They don't pay attention to things like regulation. make the most amount of money as quick as possible. Oh, I wasn't being that derogatory towards... This is all capitalists. All capitalists. 
So the fault in the equipment was not mentioned in the official accident report. And as mm. such, the families of the divers um, received no financial compensation. <gasps> no. Also gross. Even though one of their employees yeah. caused the accident. It's still a death on and the job. And it's still a fucking accident. Like and you should like still receive some kind of compensation. OSHA, man, probably didn't exist in 83. Oh, probably not. Not in Norway. Not- Right, uh, workers' compensation or, laws. I not at have. I don't know. I, I don't know. know. But um, because they believe the investigation to be a cover-up, the families formed the North Sea Divers Alliance, which finally succeeded in suing the Norwegian government and yes. obtaining a settlement in 2008, which Let's was 25 go. years <laughs> after the accident. Jeez. Sue your government. Yes. <laughs> so, so that's basically years. my story. That's so sad that the families had to. One 25 thing, years of dredging up the trauma and the... Yeah. This uh, accident did change the regulation to where it was required to have certain safety features well, I would to be hope certified. So. Yeah. so that's one benefit that came from it. I feel like we've had a lot of like accident we stories recently lately. that are like specifically due to negligence. <laughs> or to like needing to have stricter yeah, regulations. And then that in turn like changed a bunch of regulations and laws. That's true. It's like, well, I feel like it's three for three. Yay progression, <laughs> right? right? Yay progression. Yeah. We're, like, do, we're doing it. Well, but it's unfortunate that anyone has to die for that to happen. Like, Shouldn't. it should be something that you just... It shouldn't, but every fucking sign you see, no matter how stupid it is, it tells you you can't do something is because some somebody already did, did it. Yeah. So, unfortunately, most change is effective by tragedy. Yeah. We learned by oh, unfortunately, a very we learned the most statement I just made. I was from trying. our failures, and a lot of times those failures <laughs> result in horrible tragedy. So here's some details if you want to hear I've some. I had a 99, and that's it. And I slurring, I slurring. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Never again. <laughs> I also didn't eat today, though. I guess. So yeah, we're gonna eat. In a Go eat a tortilla. That's why I'm doing I okay. I find them. Oh. <laughs> I was eating them. I looked at the fridge and I didn't see them. Anyway, finish your story, Salem. The mysterious disappearing tortillas. (laughs) Next. (laughs) They disappeared in my tummy. (laughs) Is that foreshadowing for my story? It might be. I have no idea. No. All right. So some disturbing um, details about what happened to Diver 4 and the other divers. Um, but Diver 4 specifically. Like, why does he get a distinction? Well, cause he because he was the one who he, he didn't, was, he was the one who released it, right? He was the one who was sucked out of the door. So, oh, oh, okay. there's divers the one who one, exploded. Two, yeah, yeah, there's the one who exploded. divers one, two, three, four were at the actual divers in there. And in then the we chamber. had Crampton or whatever his name was. Crammond. Crammond. I was close. Okay. Cramp- I like Crampton better. He messed up. Unfor- <laughs> he completely <laughs> died. And the other guy. The other tender remember Jeff? got hurt. Crambone. Do you remember Daddy used to do all the time? <laughs> I remember it yeah, from so being Dad. I'm oh, mimicking Well, because it was from Looney Tunes. It was the... But he would chase yes, us around doing he that. Would. And he'd be like, Crambone. Crambone. Froggy went to Gordon and he did, right? Dad's in a happy mood. Crambone. He's manic. Manic. He's not depressed. I love his manic days. Anyway, they were so much fun. They were. When he get his mouth harp out, I love that. I want a mouth harp. Anyway, so while divers one through three were taken away in a body bag, diver four was taken away in four separate bags. Oh, my God. He was shot out through the opening and completely disintegrated. They found body parts scattered about the rig. They found his spinal cord and most of his ribs. They found his liver. His pelvis was divided into three parts. His penis had been invaginated, which means turned inside out. And all of his organs had been expelled. How can he completely disintegrate if there are pieces of him left? I know. It was a bit of a hyperbole. It's that hyperbolic. (laughs) It was a a hyperbolic (laughs) statement. So okay, um, I was just yeah. Yeah, no, he wasn't completely. I'm too. They literal, did actually say that they found the liver um, that looked like untouched, like it had been surgically removed. It was so he was partially disintegrated and completely dismembered. Yes, yes. Um, divers one, two, and three they were intact. 
um, because they weren't as close to the point of the pressure release. Their organs were all filled with gas. They found free fat in several unusual places, and the fat in the arteries was mixed with gas bubbles, and it looked, quote, like sizzling butter in a frying pan. Oh, my God. Ew. I kind of want to see it. There are pictures online oh, if no. you want to look them up. Yeah, there are pictures am I that, of stuff. Am I that morbid or is it just my int- no, interest it's curiosity in forensic science? And a bit morbidity, but it's... I mean, I did study forensic anthropology <laughs> morbidity, for Morbidity, boo. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, I did study forensic anthropology for a whole semester, so I'm yeah. an expert. Yeah, I studied. <laughs> I, I studied forensic psychology for a whole year, so I'm an expert. I mean, I did study anthropology in general for three years, but <laughs> forensic specifically. So that's it. Oh, oh. that's the wow. Thing. That's yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> that's the horrible thing I came to talk about. <laughs> I was waiting for more. You were reading was, your notes. Yeah. I, was I was just checking like... to see if there was anything else, but there's not. There's other accounts of like. How the what happened to the bodies, or like you know what might have caused Ugh. the accident? But the fact is that we'll never know. But it's, it's one of the most tragic diving accidents that's ever happened. I mean, I think it probably was just human error that was allowed yeah. to happen because there weren't fail safes in place to prevent it exactly. decoupling before the yes. The it whole reminds thing was me. Pressurized. It reminds me of uh, the the story I told about the monorail incident at Disney World, yeah. where it's like that was entirely just due to human error, but coupled with the fact that they didn't have these fail safes in place mm-hmm. to prevent something like that happening. Because people are fallible, and yeah, especially people if make well, mistakes. Yeah. Make people mistakes are always going to especially... make mistakes, no matter how much you train them. And what's funny to me is just this whole idea going back to just like. Oh, capitalism. This whole idea of like, oh, we'll save money by not installing these these things that can help prevent these accidents. And then in turn, you end up having to pay thousands of dollars Millions more. Of dollars, yeah. uh, so much. Yeah. Just like, uh, yeah. then if you would have just installed it and regulated and, it. Well, and and aside dead. from, yeah, exactly. Aside from the amount of money that you have to pay, there's a loss of life there that yeah, would not have I'm, been there before. I know that, yeah. Or at least it would have been mitigated to where like Even maybe only harping, though, certain people died. what these, these business owners only yeah. care about. We all know yeah. they, they <laughs> care about profits over people. Yeah. We all know. And <laughs> We're all well aware. Yeah. Know. I mean, but I think to be fair in a capitalistic society, you can't survive on just people as a business. Like you have to have a balance of profits to. But you continue. also can't profit without people. No, you can't. That's why I said you have to have a balance. <laughs> yeah, like, balance. Yeah. Well, and one thing that always I get it, I guess, in this job because of the nature of the job. But sixteen-hour shifts. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. then you have. And so in this job, I kind of get it because you're down at the bottom of the ocean. It's a big undertaking to go down, to go up, all of that kind of stuff. You can't just take you a wanna... coffee break. No, but it's like med- the medical profession. Yeah. Nurses work 12-hour mm-hmm. shifts on a regular basis. Time. That's like oh. standard. Do you want Doctors... your nurse on their 10th hour? I just mm-hmm. don't get yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Residents yeah. especially work multiple days yeah. in mm-hmm. the ER like and it's without like, it's it's just people negligible. make mistakes and then you make them tired or you make them stressed they're gonna make more mistakes I absolutely just, mm-hmm. and when you have a job like this or a job like in the medical field like people's lives are in your hand and that's why and if, that's scary if you have like with the diving i get why you have to have the long shifts and you need to be extra careful about the fail safes that you have Absolutely. in place to hopefully compensate for the lack of awareness that somebody might have after working 16 hours at the mm-hmm. bottom of the fucking ocean. Mm-hmm. Well, but if it's the tender who was on the outside who was guiding it to the thing, he wouldn't have been pressurized. So that like That's right? true. Yeah. He could have just been anyone. So, but so that s- could have been like he I did hear mention that they still routinely work yeah, 16 but hour like, shifts. Yeah, but like it's less but... important for those people to yeah. be working 16 hour shifts because right. they don't have right. to be at the bottom of the ocean for 16 hours. Yeah. You could switch that true. person you out after that. a reasonable because amount of time. Like at the surface, you yeah. know, where people you don't just have to wait for swimming. them to depressurize. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right that, about that. Yeah. So that's negligence they... entirely on the company's part. Yeah. Agreed. 
If that is if the that's truth. The, well, if that's I mean, the there are so many industries where that's pervasive. Truck drivers yeah. having yeah. irrational deadlines for delivering well, their loads why so they have of to drive through the night. A lot of mm-hmm. companies now have stuff on a rig that will monitor if they drive more yeah. than like so yeah. many hours straight. It like they, turns the car off. Or basically. they will get, they'll get, <laughs> or docked, docked, like, which, get docked for Which it. works if they give them their deadlines in yeah. a reasonable manner. Like if they don't have to make some I think crazy they delivery. Have to do that yeah. now, considering the shortages that we have. I, know. I think they're realizing that we'll survive if they don't kill themselves on the roads for us. <sighs> like I think I a lot of people need to recognize that We'll survive if our restaurant isn't open seven days a week because right, yeah. they can't get staff. We'll serve, and if it's that important to you, then you need to pay the prices for those people to have decent mm-hmm. wages to want to have that job. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that we're learning that we have a lot of conveniences that we don't really need. We've just grown comfortable. Oh yeah, totally. And- <clears throat> and that allows the workers then to say, I need balance in my life. Then yeah. you need to give yeah. this to me. Well, work-life balance is huge. And very successful companies are are the company who who have found that like yeah. a good balance of you know freedom and restrictions allows for more excited engaged employees who want to do well for the company because the company wants to do well for them yeah, yeah. when you have your own personal <clears throat> interest vested into the interest of the company then like you're going to do right. better than when you're being pushed to your wits end every single day I mean, yeah. Being forced to do Half. shit that you shouldn't be forced to yeah. do. Like, like <laughs> I think we should move on, though. Yeah, yes, sorry. we should. To... Thanks, Adele Tech. Oh, sorry. I forgot to do it again, though. <laughs> Thanks, Adele Tech. Things that don't suck. <laughs> Woo! Yeah, you you right. had like your own fun little like little wookie moment. Yeah. <laughs> or it, it reminds me of when you take like a video, the audio of a video, and, and you like, like scratch it. Like, it, like, like when it, yeah, like when it skipping. starts to skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> so who wants to go first? I guess I could go first. Do it. Well, my thing that doesn't suck is my husband. For saving me after my seizure and then driving me around all over the place and then, I don't know, just putting up with my morbid humor even though he's the most (laughs) traumatized out of everybody. There's times where I'll tell a joke about my situation because that's how I cope and I'll see him like shudder and then like (laughs) pretend to laugh. (laughs) <laughs> At least he's pretending. Oh, <laughs> because he knows that that's how I go. Yeah. <laughs> he's placating you like, you're the worst spell. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. yeah. That's good. He's a good guy. Yeah. He well, is. shout out to Kyle. I love him. <laughs> Trying to get him on a podcast eventually. Yeah, eventually. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll go. Mine's kind of lame, but I've had a really kind of shitty few weeks and I'm broke and all sorts of bad stuff I could come up with. But my thing that doesn't suck is that Belle didn't die. Yay! I know that's kind of, I know it's, but it's kind of a lame things that don't suck, right? Yeah, it's so lame that she didn't die. die. (laughs) I know it's going to sound crazy and weird and like I'm just a total nut job, but like, I watched her from the time I was 12 until Salem was able to kind of get a little more settled and have a little bit more stability for taking care of Belle and wasn't having to work nights anymore and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just guess I've always felt a weird sense of responsibility for Belle. And I think that comes, too, from our grandma, Belle's grand-grand, like she made me take babysitting classes. Yes. She told me how important it was that I could help take care of Belle. And so when she, I found out she had a seizure, not as bad as being her mom, but it hit me pretty hard because just remember her as this annoying little thing who ate everything on the floor. Still. And as she learned to walk, danced on <laughs> tables and desks when she wasn't supposed to. Still, Still. Still her. So, yeah. so my thing that doesn't suck is that Belle came through it without, without serious injury. Yes. And we're going to get it all figured out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yay. 
That's a good happy thought. Yeah, that's my weird. That's a good thing that doesn't suck. My thing that does suck is that Belle didn't die. No, <laughs> you know, I'm Hannah. Kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You know, Hannah. I'm sorry that I wasn't 12 when you were born and you didn't live with me. So maybe I don't have quite exactly the same connection. No, I just wanted to make her mad because she's my sister. But I love you very much, and I will never forget when, in front of my eyes, when I was like 16 or something, and you threw a tantrum and spun around oh, yeah. and slammed your head on the bricks like talk about panic from your aunt okay like and she's never been the same I know, right? since so i don't want you to think i love you any less than i love I Belle. Don't. so hannah what's your thing that doesn't suck um my thing that doesn't suck is that james is really great uh-huh. and uh yesterday i had a really really hard day and I got out of work and I was like screaming and crying because I can't cope with anything in life anymore. And I called him and I was crying and he went and bought me a purse yesterday <laughs> that Aww. he had like seen a little while ago. Aww. It's the one that I have today. It's a little soot sprite from my neighbor Totoro. I, th- I wondered if that was new. Yeah. I hadn't seen you with it before. Oh, he, he heard how bad of a day that I was having that he like found it at a store and like specifically went to that store and bought it for him. He's, He's very guy. sweet. You guys both have sweet guys. You do. Yeah. yeah. Good guys. All right. So now it's my thing that doesn't suck, which is that I'm hot and I don't have to sit in this room much longer. <laughs> that's what I was. That's my thing. Yours is labor than mine. Mine's really lame. Can I elaborate on my thing that doesn't cool suck? Off. I'm sorry. Just real quick. Sure. Just uh, that I told James yesterday that that purse was going to be my thing that doesn't suck, and he started crying because he was so happy. Oh, um, and I just love him. James, <laughs> he shows emotion. <laughs> Kyle doesn't show emotion, but Quincy told me that Kyle was like crying when he called them on the phone. Oh my God. Yeah, stuff. he yeah. was really worried. Um, Kyle, I don't think Kyle doesn't show emotion. He doesn't. Show emotion. I think that his emotion just isn't. <laughs> As extreme as other people's, like I don't, I wouldn't put Kyle in the, in the category of I can't show my emotions. I Kyle's think he emotion, shows them when he has them, but he's so easygoing. Yeah, yeah Kyle's emotion ninety percent of the time is, oh man, <laughs> <laughs> like, and I don't think that's him like holding back. I think that's just, just him. This is what he's feeling. <laughs> that's what I love most about Kyle is Kyle is just who he is. Even yeah, the no, first day Kyle. coming into our family. Like, be, like that's intimidating to come well, in and spend a holiday with us. And he was just like, hey, I'm Kyle and I'm he, here. It wasn't and even, I, I remember I the very first time he came to hang out. I forgot that I had to work at the Rubiscape and he came over to watch football with everybody. That's and right. he hung out. He dropped me off at the room escape, went back to hang out with you guys to watch football because he had nowhere else to watch it. And then went to go pick me up hours later. I worked a full day at the room escape. <laughs> And Evie the next weekend was like, your boyfriend, because I was living with grandma at the time, and Evie was like seven when guys started dating Kyle or something. Well, she's 13 now, so yeah. how long ago, how long have you been with Kyle? Yeah, because we're coming up on like seven years almost. Yeah. So he, yeah, she like ran up to me and was like, your boyfriend was there all day last weekend without you. And it was so weird. Like, <laughs> That sounds like seven-year-old Evie. All right. Bye. Bye. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Wait. We have to tell everyone where we can find us. Uh We're on the internet. internet. (laughs) Hey, guys, you can find us at ffsthepodcast at gmail.com. And you can find us at the tweeters and the Facebooks and the Instagrams at ffsthepodcast, Storytime. We want to hear from you. Everybody. Bye.